Welcome to the Journey of a Christian Dad podcast. I'm your host, Dan Lewis. Who is the spiritual leader of your family? Is it you, your pastor, your spouse, the media? Do you know? I did. And sadly, no one was taking responsibility to lead our family. Well, friends, someone needs to take that job, and that man is you. You may not feel qualified, and some days I don't. With the help of God and a community of dads helping each other on their journey, you can be the leader your family deserves. We welcome you to the Journey of the Christian Dad podcast. Oh, man, we got a show for you guys this week. Oh, my goodness. All right, so... We're just back from the Iron Sharpens Iron Conference, and rather than a review of the week, and I wish I had this guy's name, I wasn't thinking about it, but this morning I'm like, ah, I got to give this guy a shout out. So there was a guy walking by my booth at the Iron Sharpens Iron Conference. He goes, dude, I love your podcast. I listen all the time. I can't wait for you to drop a new episode. I was like, ah, that was so heartwarming to be somewhere where I've never been and had you know just a random guy walk up and be like, dude, you've got the best podcast going for guys. So Whoever you are, I forget your name. I apologize, but I appreciate you so much. That was so encouraging and super, super cool. And with that, that's where I met Chris Harper. So a guy named Kent Evans, who's been on the show, got a great book about Nehemiah, Bring Your Hammer. He introduced me to Chris Harper, who's the executive director, CEO of Better Man. So welcome to the Journey of a Christian Dad podcast, Chris. Come on, brother. So glad to be here. Thankful for Kent always connecting. And it was so good to meet you in St. Louis at the iron sharpens iron, bro. That was so awesome. So Chris Harper's with us today and, uh, he was late coming to dinner to meet us on Friday night. (laughs) So, so we got to have a lot of jokes at his expense while he wasn't around. But if you guys haven't had like just some guys go out and just have fun and cut up the dinner we had with the group we had that was like the most fun that i've had with a group of guys on a friday night just cutting it up and having fun and i woke up the next morning and i thought to myself man that was so fun and nobody got drunk not nobody get drunk nobody even thought about ordering a drink I'm like, I don't remember the last time I was out with a group of guys that weren't drinking at all that had that much fun, like maybe in my life. So that was cool. Oh, man, it was so good. And when you got guys like Mark Hancock and Kent Evans around the table, you have plenty of ammunition. So it was so (laughs) (laughs) Man, yeah, my sides hurt the next day. It was great. That's right. That's right. Yeah, it was. It was such a it was such a sweet time of fellowship, a time to laugh and cry and tell stories uh, and meet meet new friends who I think are going to become old buddies. So I'm excited about that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So your background, you got a, a ton of stuff going on. Um, you know, I'll, I'll throw some random things out there. Pastor to mega church, help church plant. Uh, weren't always a Christian at all jumped into that you know somebody you know clued you in and you got saved uh yeah you've been on the education side of things you went back got your uh was it doctorate yeah 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 did your thesis on uh biblical manhood yeah yeah the father is the chief priest of his home yeah christian formation in the home yes yes there we go so i'm like what better guy to have on (laughs) like let's go (laughs) and then we meet and i'm like 
Wow. All right. Like big personality, charismatic. So to run a, a group like Iran, I'm like, you're the perfect guy for it. You're the guy to be out running around, giving speeches, giving talks and, and bringing guys in and, and then letting the the structure guys take over from that point and, you know, do the websites and all that type of stuff. So man, uh, excited hey, man. to have you excited to have you. Yeah. So excited to be here. And, um, yeah, just, just trusting the Lord been on a journey now for, for many years. I came to faith 15 years ago, uh, just looking for hope in the world. I was, a I was a researcher, uh, with the university of Louisville. I had done research in Eastern Europe and, um, while I was over there, I just realized the hopelessness that I was seeing all over Europe um, never changed. Like like poverty and things like that was relative to the situation you were in, but hopelessness was the same. Hopelessness looked the same everywhere I went, and ultimately it was the same. When I looked into the mirror, it was the same hopelessness that I saw looking back at me. So I got back to the States and asked a buddy of mine from grad school, just uh, where does hope come from? And he said, you should come to church with me on Wednesday night. And I said, man, I'm not really interested in that. He said, there's, he said, there's free Chick-fil-A and college girls. And I said that I'm interested in. <laughs> so, you got to meet so people where they're at. That's it, brother. So I went to church with him that Wednesday night and I just kept going. And about six months into that, I realized my hopelessness came from the fact that I was separated from my creator, that my sin had separated me from my God. And uh, my God had made provision in his son, King Jesus, to, to remedy that. And I put my hope and faith in King Jesus, man. My sins were forgiven. I was made right, clothed in his righteousness. And I just started in that moment. I started living for him. And praise be to God, I haven't looked back. That's awesome. That's awesome. We had a guy on a while back. He's a cold case homicide detective for a living. So he, you know, digs in hard and tries to figure out unsolvable things. And he'd been sitting in a pew next to his wife for a long time. Again, sitting in a pew next to his wife for a long time. She's all in and he's just taking up space. And finally he goes, Mm. huh, wonder if there's something to this. Like I'm just taking up space. I'm either here for a reason or I'm not here for a reason. Am I here to believe in this or am I literally here just to be with my wife and waste some time? And so he dug in and he ultimately said, wow, this is great. So if you're listening right now and you go, huh, I wonder, just wait in a little bit, check it out, trust a little bit and, um, you know, suspend your disbelief for a little bit and, you know, you're hanging around for six months and you go, huh, a little something to this, a little something to this. So it's encouraging to hear kind of it wasn't an instantaneous light bulb went off in your head it it sunk in a little yeah absolutely for you know and i describe salvation in in two different ways for some people it's like you were dry and then all of a sudden it's a torrential downpour and you're soaking wet and like you know it and and those people typically like have the day and the date and the time in their Bible. Like I look at the front of their Bibles and I'm, I'm kind of jealous because mine was the exact opposite mine. Like I was walking through a mist and I didn't even realize I was getting wet until about six, seven months later, I realized I was soaking wet and I had been walking through that mist for six or seven months. And, and I think, I think God saves you really in, in one of those two ways, right? You are dry and then you're soaked. Or, or you're just walking through the mist and all of a sudden you look back and you're like, oh man, I'm, I'm drenched. 
And, and I don't, I don't necessarily know the exact day he saved me. Like I don't have a date and time stamp in my Bible, but I know this, um, I am saved, man. He, he saved me. He, he took, he took his enemy and he made him his adopted son. And, um, it was, it's, it's been amazing. That's cool. That's cool. So what had you go in the direction, uh, in the formation of the household and the man being the chief priest of the house? Yeah. So that's, that really came about. Um, I fell in love with the Puritans five or seven years ago and, uh, started studying the Puritans, everybody from John Owen to George Swinnick, um, uh, some of the lesser known Puritans like Swinnick and those guys, but, uh, fell in love with, with their theology. I fell in love with, um, how they ordered their lives, particularly how they ordered their homes. And they truly believed, um, you know, they were borrowing from Augustine and borrowing from Luther. Luther said, you know, the home is a mini kingdom and the father is the, is the, is the king of his home. Well, well, they took that and said, yeah, not only is that true, but um, the father is the priest of his home. Like the father is the one that should be, you know, leading the family to the throne of, of, of God. And, and I took it a step further and I said, not only is the father king of his home, priest of his home, but he's also prophet of his home. Like he's the mouthpiece of God. So, so I truly believe dad should be the first educator, should be the first pastor, should be the first civil government in his child's life. I think, I think that's a mantle and a responsibility that comes directly from God. In the intro to my podcast, I was like, absolutely not. Like, I don't want to do the, that. What you just said, like, that is not for me. <clears throat> My wife will do just fine someday, whenever it is she gets to it. Like right. one more responsibility. Like, let me just, you use the word scoreboard and I use the, our scorecard. That's yep. me too. And I was like, let me just make the paycheck. And then that can be one of her things. And yep. then one day it occurred to me in a men's group. Wow. So wrong. So wrong. So what would you tell guys that are afraid of that responsibility or feel unqualified for that responsibility or just feel flat out not willing to even engage the topic? Yeah. So that's, that's a great question. And that's a couple of different cats. So, so first of all, if, if you feel unqualified, I would tell you that you're not. And I would, I would challenge you to go back and think about when you had your first child, if you were like me, you were like every man, they hand you this baby and they hand you this car seat and they say, good luck. Right. And you get into the car and you're like, where are the instructions? Like they didn't even, you know, there's not a, there's not a YouTube video series. Like, like I was leaving that day with, with my first child, with my daughter and, and I'm driving 30 miles an hour in the slow lane. Right. Because I don't want to break nothing. And it's, um, it's like, my goodness, is anyone going to, going to train me? But then I realize like that's intuitive. Like raising a child is intuitive. Like God put that inside of me. He hardwired me for that. I, I remember looking at my wife and saying, listen, if wolves can do this, we can do this. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like we can train this child up. So, so the first thing I would tell guys that, that are afraid, man, I don't know how I would tell you, listen, it's intuitive. Like God's put that inside of you. You just need to unlock it. What we say at better man is you just need to unleash it. Uh, and then step into that role that he's called you. Um, um, so it's there now because we're all impacted by our environments. You know, maybe we've had some good training. Maybe we've had some bad training. 
uh, no matter your training, you do have the word of God and it is the greatest guidebook training book. It's the greatest source of truth. The only really source of true truth. Um, if I can, if I can use that double word like that, that's out there. So I would tell you, lean into the word of God. Um, it, it is a blueprint of what a, of what a good father is, a good man is. And then also look to King Jesus, the greatest man ever. Um, for the guy that says, man, I don't have any time or that's not my responsibility, or I have no desire to do that. I would tell you that you need to stop believing the lie. Like you're believing the lie that of, of, of culture, you're believing the lie of media, really you're believing the lie of Satan, right? I was just reminding a group uh, this week, um, the first question that God really ever asked comes in Genesis chapter three, verse, verse nine and 10. He's walking in the cool of the garden and he says, Adam, where are you? And, and, you know, Adam's hesitant, but then he finally says, God, I'm hiding from you. I was telling the group, I think God's been asking that question ever since Genesis three, Adam, where are you? Men, where are you? And, and fortunately, most of us, if we were honest, we would say, Hey God, we're over here, but we're hiding because we're afraid and we're ashamed, right? So I would tell you, man, um, quit believing that guy, quit believing that lie from the enemy. You know, God is saying, man, where are you? And, and he's calling you to step up and he's going to give you everything you need to be the man he's called you to be. Like he equips everyone he calls. And, and not only is he sovereign over everything, but he's providential. Like he's already met your needs before you even know you need them. So, so quit believing the lie that it's not your responsibility. Quit believing the lie that you're not useful. Um, quit believing the lie that, that you don't know how. And man, step into it and watch God supply your needs. Yeah, I love the expression. He doesn't equip the called or he doesn't uh, call the equipped. He equips right. the called. Amen. So men, you are called and it's all there. And nowadays with so much information out there, it's so easy. Like just listen to this podcast. Like that's simple, right. That's right. Simple, simple. Uh, you know, go to go to betterman.com and hit login now. You know, create that's your login it. and just download the stuff. Chris has got it set up there for free. 30, that's 40 it. guys have already paid for it for you. So you don't have to pay a nickel. Dan, I can't afford it. I just said it's free. That's right. <laughs> but you don't understand like i don't have any money yeah you don't understand that's what free means (laughs) (laughs) so true brother gosh man people put so many excuses and like they can't hear what people are saying sometimes yeah no 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 i can't i can't i can't what can you do i understand you can't do any of this stuff i know you you can't pay for it which is true you can't it's free so You know, why don't you stop for a second and listen to the question that's being asked? Why don't you stop and listen to God for a second, ask God a question or answer God's question, which I like to ask men all the time. Like, hey, man, where are you in your faith life? Where are you in your journey? Come on, dude. Like you want to ask a courageous question to one of your buddies? Hey, man, I just got a question for you. I'm curious. Where are you at in your faith life? Where are you at in your, your faith journey? Yeah. See what their answer is. See what their answer is. That's so good. Man, a a close guy in my life, he's sitting next to his wife in church. I didn't know he went to church. Sure enough, he is. Mm -hmm. And he says, you know, I want to grow closer to my wife. I said, man, that's cool. Like, let's talk about that. Super smart guy. One of the smartest guys I've ever met in my life. And then he says, you know, I think I'm going to start checking out like 
other religions and stuff. And I really want to understand stuff. And I want to go to like Eastern mysticism. Like that sounds like a, mm. a great place for me to like dig into religion and culture and everything else. And I said, wow, that's so interesting that you want to do that while your wife is plugged in in a Christian church mm. and you sit next to her for an hour every week. That's right. And you're saying you want to go check this opposite view, which doesn't support helping grow close to your wife. Yeah. Maybe just dip your toe in a little bit. Maybe suspend your disbelief. Maybe grow close to your wife by understanding what it is she believes in. Maybe that. That's such a good word, man. Such a good word. Uh, yeah. So supporting what you're saying, like, guys, we get, we've got some responsibility here. So important. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't, you don't eat an elephant in one sitting, right? You, you eat it one bite at a time. So it's just, it's taking that initial step. Like, like some of you men, some of you men listening, you've never led your family in family worship, right? You've never done it. And, and, and I can give you, and I, and I will on this show, give you some quick tips on how to do that. But like the first thing you need to do is sit your family down and say, you know what? I've never done this and I'm not even sure I know how to do this, but I want to try. Would you guys join me? And your wife is going to be so excited and your children are going to be so excited. And they may say, dad, we have, we have no idea what we're going to do. And, and you're going to be like, Hey, that's fine, but we just want to start. So, so some of you, you just need to start with that. You need to start by acknowledging, Hey, I've should have, I should have been the one leading my family to the throne room, leading my family to Christ. I haven't been doing that. I've been relying on my pastor or I've been relying on my youth group leader or I've been relying on my wife or whatever it is. You just need to admit, hey, I should have been doing it. And starting today, what did Joshua say? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Starting today, I'm going to lead and then begin unpacking what that looks like. But let's just start by confessing that we need to get started. (laughs) You got me in tears right now, thinking back upon when I had a similar discussion with my wife before we had kids. Mm. And then along the way, along the journey, each different little new, may not every little new thing, but some new things that were going to be a little bit bigger. I said, hey, we haven't been doing this and I'd like to try. And often my wife will say, I'm totally uncomfortable with that. However, I'm willing to follow. Yeah. Yeah, man, it's it, it it's so good, and that's and that's every one of us, Dan. Like like Chris Harper, I mean, I'm not I'm not immune to this. I I had to go to my wife recently and confess that I have not been leading her in prayer like I should be, that I have not been praying for her like I should be. Man, I I travel all over the country. I travel all over the world and lead tens of thousands of men in conferences in prayer. Like, like I'm praying and, and then I get home and I can't even lead this one little girl in prayer. Like, like what's the disconnect, man? So I had to go to my wife and say, listen, I have not been diligent in this. I had to ask for forgiveness. And then I had to make a commitment. I want to be, I want to be more prayerful, prayerful in our home, man. Uh, just her and I, you know, before we go to bed or in the morning together and, 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 and it's hard. Uh, and, and, but, but we've got to stay committed and we've got to, we've got to make the effort. I've talked about that a bunch on the podcast in the past. Yeah. What is it about praying individually with our wives that men 
don't do men forget to do men, whatever it might be. But there's, there's definitely, when I ask guys, tell me how this is going for you. Most of them say it's not. That's right. Yeah. I think, you know, I think it's a level of vulnerability. Like it exposes a level of vulnerability. Prayer itself is that, you know, prayer is us acknowledging we need God. I mean, that's, that's what prayer is. We're, we're talking to God because apart from him, we can do nothing. And let's be honest, as men, we don't like to admit that. I mean, Chris Harper doesn't like to admit that. Um, I like to think that the better man, I mean, the better man ministry right now is, is absolute rockets. I mean, it is growing, you know, we're in Latin America. It's crazy. There's a little piece of me, man, that gets up and pats myself on the back and says, you know, without Chris Harper, better man wouldn't be like this. <laughs> and, 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 and the really, the reality is it's just nonsense, right? I, you know, I, I've probably caused more harm than I have good, right? Like leaning into my own strength and understanding. I mean, that's the reality. It is all of God. And so daily, I've got to remind myself, like I go to the conversation that Paul is having when he says, listen, man, Paul, Apollos, it doesn't matter. Um, one plants, one waters, but it is God who gives the growth. It's God who gives the growth. And, and I have to remind myself, man, it is not of me. So one of the reasons I think men are so hesitant to, to pray individually before God or to pray with their wives before God is it's because us admitting our need. And it's so hard for us to do that. Man, that's awesome. <laughs> I, one, am absolutely just shocked that you, without me prompting, openly admitted that, like, you know, kind of true confessions type thing right there. Um, so that's, that's really, really cool. <laughs> I was not expecting yeah. to hear that from you. Yeah. yeah. I didn't well, know that either. I didn't know that that was a thing, but yeah, that, yeah. that is definitely not in my, uh, my notes for the show. So <laughs> no, man, I've never, I've never been accused of not being authentic and, and, and not being real. And, and the reality is, man, so I kind of, I kind of was trained in that pragmatic world. So when you pastor, you know, I've pastored two large churches and, um, you know, you had to have a level of decorum. You had to have a level of civility. You had to have a level of, uh, of pragmatism. And, and the reality is in my ministry, especially my early ministry, I was probably too pragmatic, meaning um, I was too inclined to tell people what they wanted to hear instead of what they needed to hear. Mm, mm, uh, and mm. instead of being, instead of being authentic, instead of being raw, um, you know, I was, I was really just fearful of man. And it, ab- about eight years ago, seven or eight years ago, the Lord broke me of that. And, you know, I stepped away from the pastorate, my choice. Um, I just, I really didn't think I was mature enough. I didn't think I was, um, you know, biblically grounded enough to really be a pastor. So I stepped away and got some more training and, and, and chased after humility and had to break some spiritual arrogance I had. And, and it was during that process that the Lord said, Chris, man, just like, be you always be you be, be authentic. And it's okay for you to admit weaknesses and admit struggles. And, and, and guys, I'm a, I'm a broken man, right? Being put together by the greatest man ever, King Jesus. Um, I am, I love Ephesians 2.10, right? We are God's handiwork. 
um, the Greek there says that we are God's poema. And, and it's where we get our English word for poem. Um, we are God. So it really, it, it literally reads, we are God's masterpiece. And, and, and I tell men all the time, like you're a Rembrandt. The problem is somebody threw a bucket of paint on it and, 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 and like ruined it. <laughs> right. So, so it, it's not that we're trying to create a new painting now. It's that we're going through this priceless work of art restorative process where where King Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit is restoring us back to that original priceless work of art. Um, and, and that's what I would tell me. And listen, I'm a priceless work of art. You're a priceless work of art. We are God's poem. We are God's masterpiece. Sin ruined that. And we're slowly being restored back to that original, original work of art, man. And, and Chris Harper is neck deep in the middle of that restorative process. Um, um, I'm a I'm a sinner who happens to be a saint, and and I need the the mercy of God and the love of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit every every day. I am I am two clicks away from it being wheels off all the time, and and I just I, I remind myself of that. As as men, aren't we all? Yeah, that's right. Somebody that's right. has made that super convenient to be two clicks away <laughs> That's right. so true bro oh, so man. true and 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 what's sad is like and i and and i'm not i'm not critical of the church but i do think critically about the church okay so so this is going to sound critical but i'm just thinking critically what's sad is in the church like if you admit that if if a man stands up in the middle of church and says hey i'm two clicks away from losing this like they look at that as a bad thing. Um, you know, you well, no, you should have it all put together and you should have your spiritual formation plan laid out. And where are you at in the middle of your Bible reading plan? And, and the reality is I have four kids under the age of 11. I don't know when's the last time I read the Bible, right? Like that's the truth. <laughs> like, like, like I'm trying, right? And, and sometimes when we admit we're in the fight, like people frown upon that. And, and for me, it's the opposite. The struggle often is the one thing that reminds me that I'm saved. But because, because when I wasn't saved, I didn't even care to struggle. When I wasn't saved, I didn't care to fight for holiness. Like when I wasn't saved, I just did whatever I wanted to do. Now that I am saved, man, I want to fight for holiness every day. And it's the fight that reminds me I'm alive. It's the fight that reminds me I'm a new creation. So, so if you're a man listening this right now, who's fighting for his holiness, who's fighting to lead his family in worship, who's fighting to get up and get to church every Sunday morning, praise be to God that you have a desire to do that because you used to not have that desire. You used to not care, but now you do care. And my, my prayer for, for you would be that you, that you stay in the fight and that God would continue to deliver you grace upon grace upon grace mm -mm -mm. for whatever reason you just made me think i had a recent conversation with a with a lady and she was just at wit's end um you told me this the other day when we were together you told me that the thing you've learned the most from uh being involved with better man and getting to travel around uh, all across the country is at church in church communities the people you run into are tired women and bored men. Yeah. Tired women 
bored men. Yeah. So as I was talking with her, she was describing a bored man, her husband. And she says, he doesn't do this, 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 you know, horrible around the house. All he does is laundry. Ah. Yeah. Just, I wish he would blah, 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 blah. And I said, you know, can we back up a second? You said your family wasn't going to church. And one weekend, your husband says, hey, we're going to change the direction. I said, ask your lady friends, how many of their husbands have said something like that? How many of them have been consistent with staying the course there? I said, you want to change your life a little bit, look for hope a little bit. He just did one thing that'll change the direction of your entire family for generations and help get your family to heaven. Is that a starting point? She's like, yeah, I should be, I, you know, she's, but on. what about all this stuff? I said, let's just pause and reflect on that for a little bit. Be grateful for that. That's right. And what can the next steps be in your family? That's right. And the, That's right. the conversations changed a much more positive type conversation. So um, it's true what you say. Tired women, bored men. That's it, man. That's it. And it's such a, man, that's so insightful, Dan. And that's a good word you shared with her. So good on you for that. And, and again, I would just challenge the churches in this. I don't want to sound critical, but you know, when's the last time you've been in church and you heard a pastor stand on stage and say, men, we need you. Right. And I'm not talking about like, we need you to park cars in the parking lot. Like I'm talking about, like, we need you, like, we need you to lead your families. Well, we need you to love your wife. Well, we need you to to disciple the younger men in our children's ministry and the young men in our, in our college ministry and the young men in our, in our high school ministry and middle school ministry, like, 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 like men, we, we need you. And, and here's the thing about men, you know, I tell people all the time, men need a reason. They need a reason. They need a scorecard or they won't play the game. So, so with women, it's different. And this is not a shot at women. So don't, don't send me a bunch of emails, listeners, after you hear this. I'm not, I'm not picking on women, but, but it's true. You know, Priscilla Shire is a good friend of mine. I, I, I told Priscilla, Priscilla, you can write a book about woodland creatures and 5 million women would read it. They would get together and read it. I said, I said, you have it so much easier than me. I can't get, I can't get 500 men together for anything, right? Men need a reason and they need a scorecard. So, so as, as a church, like you need to start, you need to start telling your men, Hey, Hey, we need you. And this is why we need you. Like that should be a constant communication from the pulpit in your newsletter, on your podcast, on your blogs, whatever it is that you're running, you need to tell men, we need you. And this is why. And then you need to give them a scorecard. Men won't play the game unless they know how to win. And if they don't know how to win, they're going to sit on the sidelines. And so for the last hundred years, we've been complaining about men sitting on the sidelines and men not engaging and men not answering the call. Well, they don't know what they're answering. Like they don't know how to play the game. So we're just going to sit around. And what attracted me most to Better Man, when, when Robert Lewis called me, and said, hey, you know, we, we think we want you to come drive the ship. What attracted me most was, was better man gives men a simple scorecard on what it means to be a real man. It's super simple. It's four W's. A real man courageously follows God's word. A real man loves and protects God's woman. 
a real man excels at the work God gives him, and a real man betters his world primarily through his children. Word, woman, work, world. And we built an entire program and scorecard around those four W's. And let me tell you how impactful it's been. In the last 18 months, we estimate about 100,000 men have went through it. 100,000 men have been given a scorecard and now know how to start. It's not, it's not super spiritual. It's not deep theological waters, right? How often do we throw men into the deep waters of discipleship and then get upset when 98% of them wash out? Right Mm -hmm. in the military, there's a reason why you go to basic training first and then AIT and then specialty training. Right? If they threw you straight into officer candidate school, you wouldn't make it. Like, you've got to have the basics, you got to have the foundation. Right? So, it's what we did for men. Um, I want you to think about this, Dan 360,000 churches in America, 360,000 plus churches in America. 80% of those churches have a functioning women's ministry. Less than 5% have a functioning men's ministry because they don't know where to start. They don't know where to start. What better man says is, here you go. Here's a starting place. Here's a scorecard. Get them through basic training. And then after that, it's up to you. It's up to your men's group. It's up to your community, whatever, to start taking them into AIT and taking them into specialized and deeper training. Um, we love to say around the office, better man is the on-ramp to manhood. We are the on-ramp <laughs> to the highway of manhood, bro. And uh, yeah, man, the Lord's the Lord's doing some cool stuff. I love that. So there's three different things. There's, so there's gain confidence, be the man you want to be, mm-hmm. improve your relationships, and create the purposeful life you crave. Yeah. So I think any guy says, yes, 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 I want that. whether they're following Jesus or not, like any man in his right mind wants that. Yes. And, 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 and Dan, let's be clear for our listeners out there, bro. Like there are few things in this entire world that the secular and sacred communities agree on very Mm -hmm. few things, right? One of the things that the sacred and secular communities agree on, agree on over and above everything else is that when men are better, the world is actually a better place. (laughs) When when, when men are better, the world is a safer place. When men are better, the world's a more productive place. Like any sacred and any secular person worth his salt will tell you when men are better, the world is better. Yep. And somehow the world says also men are problems. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. It's not the first time the, the worldly logic has contradicted itself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the self-defeating loop. Yeah. Toxic masculinity and, you know, on and on and on. Okay. Like yeah. <laughs> there's a few guys that have these issues and That's yeah, right. a lot of us have anger issues and a lot of us have stuff. However, um, you know, when you, when you work on this stuff, however, we're told not to by the world. That's right. And that's, and so it's interesting. So, so think about this. And Dallas Willard said this, this is not original to Chris Harper. Dallas Willard said that God's chief aim 
is to look upon the earth and find men he can entrust with his power. Mm-hmm. Like that's what God's trying to do. And, and men do one of two things. We either abuse that power or we neglect that power, right? We either abuse the authority or we neglect the authority. And, and, and this is what the world does. This is super interesting. The world will focus on the men that abuse that power. And they'll say things like toxic masculinity and, and manhood run rampant and men are terrible, right? The reality is that's probably less than 2% of all the men in the world. The majority of men are neglecting the power, but this is what the world says. The world applauds that. The world says, you know what? That's right. You're foolish. You're stupid. At best, you're a revolving ATM. At worst, you're the reason why the world's broken. So just sit there, be quiet, let your women lead, let your wife lead, let culture and media lead your home, right? We just need you to to sit down and shut up. And we applaud when men reject the mantle of leadership and authority, which is where the majority of men are. Uh, and, and again, that's the lie. That's the, the confusion that culture is feeding men, right? We're going to highlight every time a pastor has an affair. We're going to highlight every time a, um, a, a, a man abuses his power and, and takes advantage of somebody, right? We're going to put that on the front page of everything. But the dad that's, that's slowly dying in his garage uh, because he doesn't know what to do with his life, right? Or, or the dad that's that's slowly wasting the way at, at at happy hour every day after work because he's not finding any fulfillment. He doesn't have any purpose. We're not going to talk about that guy. We'll applaud that guy and just tell him, "Hey, stay on that path. Everything's going to work out for you." And that's the more deadly path. That, in my opinion, is toxic masculinity. It's not the guy abusing <laughs> the woman. It's the guy that's 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 sitting there wasting his life away. I use the word passive. You use the word slow quitting. That's it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. They're just slow quitting, man. It's uh, uh we see it was a term that came out of COVID, right? People kind of slow quitting their jobs. They just kind of fade into the background and um, you know, just do enough not to be noticed, right? Like I don't want to be noticed. Just send me my paycheck and I'm going to check a few boxes. I would say the majority of men in our world live in that slow quitting passive place, right? I just want to do enough not to be noticed, right? I don't want to break anything. Like I'm trying not to break anything. I just, I'm just banking on everything working out when the reality is, man, we've got to step up and we got to lead like God has called us to lead. So we're not looking to do the bare minimum. That's right. But yet often that pass passivity, passivity, (laughs) that slow quitting, that's an easier way to say it. But that leads us to, gosh, what can I do to get by? That's it, man. And that is the wrong question. It's the wrong question. And what's worse is when the, when evangelicalism like promotes that. Promote it. I'm, I'm telling you, if listen to me, if you're a man right now and you do these three things at your church, show up, tithe and park cars, they'll make you chairman of the elders. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> that's it. That's the majority of churches in our country. Right? Like, like that's how low the bar has been set. Even for men who have, who have acknowledged man, like I have a mantle of leadership. 
churches just want you to show up, tithe, park cars, maybe come to a couple of men's breakfasts once or twice a year. You do, you'll be a, you'll be a deacon, you'll be an elder, you'll be a leader. And man, how, how, how pathetic is that? I'll, I'll never forget setting. Um, I was setting in a re-engage ministry meeting. It's a, it's a married ministry meeting, right? And uh, my wife and I thought, you know, we've been married 10, 12, 14 years. Let's go through it, kind of rekindle some of the magic. And I'll never forget sitting in this group setting, okay? And my, my wife being asked the question in the group, you know, the group was going around asking questions. And the question was like, what do you admire most about your husband or how is your husband most helpful, right? Her answer was, the best nights of the week are when my husband give the children a bath and I don't have to. Mm. And everybody kind of went around the circle and said, said, Oh man, yeah, that's so helpful. And Oh man, that's so good. Damn bro. Like I started to cry because I thought how low is the bar? Like my wife finds me most useful when I bathe my toddler <laughs> and, and like, I should be doing so much more than that. But, but, but like, like my wife's hope weekend and week out is that I give the kids a bath and, and then that's on me. Like I set that bar, like, like I lived up to that. And, and now my wife's joy is dictated by me bathing the kids. And I just thought, gosh, that's I'm, like, I should be so much more than that. Yes. Yeah. And that was your wife that said that. That's my wife that said it. <laughs> I'm sitting in this group, man. I lead one of the largest men's groups in the country. And I'm just like, I am terrible. <laughs> on, the, on the other hand, sometimes the thing that we think are the greatest champion of the world, you know, I joke about us, did the dishes or... Uh, you know, and, and this one that I'm about to say is a big deal. Hey, I brought the family to church, but that pride and, you know, what have you, um, or I got you the biggest box of chocolates in the world for Valentine's Day, whatever it is that you're like, I did the greatest thing. It could be the simplest thing. Like what, what she said there with you bathing the kids at night, like that really, really, really could be her Super Bowl. Like, Absolutely. So these smaller things that we do could possibly be the huge thing for your yeah. wife. So yeah. as we joke about that and you're like, oh, dudes, what a low bar. At the same time, you might be doing a whole bunch of other great stuff. But the thing she said wasn't meant to undercut you. It was right. meant to say, hey, like this means a lot. Like just having that yeah. hour, uh, hour piece where the kids yeah. aren't tugging on me all the time. Like that's a big deal. That's bro. That's such a good word. And she definitely wasn't taking a dig at me. Like she, no, no, no. And I didn't say it didn't sound like she was. However, as men, that's good. That's right. As men, we can sabotage ourselves, or the devil can come in and say, Hey man, did you hear what your wife just said about you? That's right. That's so true. (laughs) That's so true. My, my encouragement to men listening would be, man, we've got to be faithful in those small things because those small things make a huge difference bringing our families to church, bathing our kids, doing the dishes, taking our wife on date nights, right? And right now, like like if you've never done those things, I just call them small things. They may be really, really big things for you, right? So, So start with one of those things. My encouragement to you, though, is don't stop there. 
like, like always be growing. Right. I, 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 I got this from Dr. Brian Hurlbut, one of the leaders in gender-based discipleship. He's out of Salt Lake city. He's amazing. He told me, he said, Chris, spiritual formation regarding men. He said, it's like wind carving stone. We want something immediate. He said, it's not that it's wind carving stone. And what happens is if you've ever been to the grand Canyon, what happens is over time, you get something that's beautiful. You get something that's strong. You get something that's reliable, but it happens as wind carved stone, man. So, so, so what I want, what I want our listeners to hear, men, what I want you to hear is this, this journey of becoming a better dad, becoming a better husband, becoming a follower of Jesus Christ, a better follower, a more in tune follower of Jesus Christ, man, it's wind carving stone. Like don't ever stop. Do the little things. Be faithful in the little things, man, and watch how they turn into great things and trust the Lord with that. Yeah. So I love that you just brought up date night. I do want to get into talking about your study that that you guys are putting out with Better Man, yeah. uh, loving and protecting God's woman. That sounds awesome. But you hit date night. So that one's a, a key thing that I try to challenge guys with. And inside the group, The Journey of a Christian Dad on Facebook, I threw a question out and I said, hey, guys, I'm taking my wife out. What are some things that I can do to prepare to make this date a great date night? And I wanted to hear, you know, I thought I was thinking back to myself when I was 19, 20, 25, whatever age I was taking a girl out, the type of things that I did before I picked her up. And I wanted to hear these married guys. What do you do? Give me some tips. And guys like, huh, that's interesting. One, I should date my wife. They already know that. I am dating my wife. However, like, you know, we just go somewhere, you know, dinner and a movie. Like there's not thinking behind it. It's like, why not prepare? And so anyway, what, what are your thoughts on date night? Bro, it's, it, it's so good and funny. You just asked that, man, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you one of the best stories I've heard in years. And I just heard it last week. Okay. So, so a good friend of mine was taking his wife on a date night. Okay. And, um, he had failed to plan. And so the last minute he was trying to pull it together. So he took, he took two envelopes and inside each envelope, he put, he put a card and he wrote two different scenarios on those cards. Right. So he had it sitting out on the kitchen table with some flowers and his wife got home and he said, Hey, you get to pick one of these two envelopes and whatever is in there, that's what we're doing tonight for date night. So she picks the envelope on the left. He immediately grabs the one on the right. He rips it up and he throws it away. And he says, he says, that'll be, that'll be an option for another time. He said, but we're doing this. So they opened it and they did what was on the card on the left. And I asked him, ask him, I said, well, bro, what, what, what was the other card? He said, oh, Chris, it was the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) He said, said, I couldn't come up with two options, but he said, he said, she'll never know that. And I thought, man, how creative, how creative it, it, it reminded me of a time, um, uh, my wife, my wife told me, Hey, your daughter lost a tooth tonight and she's expecting the tooth fairy to visit her. Yeah. And, and, and so I didn't have any cash. And so I did my thing. And the next morning I'm at breakfast and my daughter comes down with a $10 bill. And she's like the tooth, the tooth fairy left me $10. And my wife is like, Oh, that's nice. And she kind of kicked me under the table. 
And she's like, are you serious? Did you give her $10? And I leaned in and I told my wife, I said, no, I took it out of my daughter's bank. It's her own $10. She don't even know. (laughs) I just took it out of her piggy bank when she was sleeping and slid it under her pillow. (laughs) And uh, my wife was like, you're terrible. (laughs) Hey, Hey, the Bible says sometimes we have to be wise as serpent and as gentle as doves, right? Yeah. Yeah. But no, man. So, so like date night, date night is, I haven't perfected it yet, but I'm getting better. Okay. So, so we've developed a a routine. I have, um, um, I have, I have somebody we trust that's close to our family. Um, every, every other Saturday, she comes to my house to watch my kids. So my wife and I can go out. So, so we try to do date night twice a month. And then we also try to get away together at least once or twice a year. So, so twice a month, um, a pretty routine date night. We try to find new restaurants in Dallas, Fort Worth, where we live. Um, sometimes we'll catch a show, uh, whether it's a concert or a movie, something of that nature. Fortunately, I, you know, we live in Dallas, Fort Worth, so there's never a shortage of things to do. Um, there's always something to do. Uh, and then, the, the once a year or twice a year away, it's just us. Like it's no kids. Uh, and sometimes it's for two days. Like, like, uh, last Christmas we went to Boston. We just went to Boston for two days. It was super quick. She got to pick one thing she wanted to do and I got to go to a Boston Celtics game. So, you know, and we, and, and, and we enjoy that together. And, and, um, um, so that's, that's our routine. Again, it's nothing, um, like it's nothing earth shattering, like it's nothing deeply theological, uh, but it's just the consistency and the proximity of being together um, uh, routinely. So I heard a whole bunch of different things there. So to re- to recap, uh, the guy that you told the story about, he's told his wife, this is what we're going to do. That's Here's right. date night, you know, mental energy. You, you don't have to play the game of what restaurant do you want to go to, honey? <laughs> Like taken off so the table. Good. You're like, so let's just good. execute. Let's just go. Uh, That's right. So sometimes you do need the the two options and take one option away and like go. So go. your wife wants you to lead. So right. at times, especially on date night, lead, just do it. Yeah. Secondly, uh, you talked about how sometimes, you know, you and your wife just look for a new restaurant and just do a simple date night, you know, can be easy. But the thing you mentioned before that was uh, you now got it set up where you've got a plan, you've got a person and the person's committed to every other week. That's right. Which then frees you up. So the, a big hurdle to date night or date lunch or, you know, date night doesn't have to be date night. It can be date, whatever, but it's just spending some carved out time with your wife alone. That's so important, but having a way to make that happen. I can't do date night because money, time, kids, stuff, blah, blah, blah. Well, how could you? And you you just answer that in your family. How could I? Well, I could, you know, find a person in my life who I can trust with my kids and my wife trusts with my kids and said, Hey, can we set this up? Yeah. Every other week we can do that. Perfect. That's right. That's right. Hey, and, and just a caveat to that too, that, that whole leading out in date night, you're a hundred percent right. Like, like your wife, men, your wife wants you to lead out in that. But that's not a license for you to get to do whatever you want to do every time, right? So, so as men, 
one of the one of the biblical mandates of being a husband. Um, and Peter and Paul both talk about this, but you are to know your wife. Like you're to know about her wants, her needs, her desires, her dreams. Like I know my wife. I know my wife loves Italian food. So when I lead out in date night, I pick a new Italian restaurant because I know that blesses her, right? I know what type of mu- music she likes. I know what type of, of movies she wants to see. Like my wife and I are different. I love a good chick flick, man. I love a good Hallmark movie. <laughs> this is my favorite thing in the world. My wife, my wife's favorite movie is Die Hard. Like she loves a good thriller, right? No so way. It, I thought you were going to go the opposite direction. I thought no, you were going to go action no. movies for you and, you know, whatever no, man. No, give me the notebook any day, man. Give me the notebook any day, little Nicholas Spark. But um, um, like so because I know my wife, I'm leading in the date night, but I'm also meeting her needs, her desires, her wants because I know her so 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 well. So so men, I think that's hugely important. So I'm so stuck on this picture. You're going out shooting guns in the daytime and going home and watching Notebook. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely, man. Yeah, dude. I'm a I, bro, I, bro. I'm so weird. So like I grew up in backwoods, Kentucky, like literally Knob Creek, Knob Creek bourbon. I grew up at the foot of Knob Creek Hill. Okay. And, um, um, somehow made it out of the holler, you know, um, got to go study at these, at these cool, cool schools, everything from, you know, Harvard to Dallas theological seminary and got exposed to so much, man. So like, I'm this weird, like redneck, that like loves art and poetry. <laughs> it's like super, like, like super weird. Um, uh, but, but it's how God's uniquely made me, man. And, and it's, uh, uh, yeah, my wife, my wife doesn't know what to do with me most days. <laughs> so I know your study isn't out yet, but give, give us a little tease, give us some things that we can look forward to with, uh, loving and protecting God's woman. What, what are some key things that we as men need to do? Yeah. So, so it's going to be super good. It's um like I'm most excited about this study. Um, yeah, I, I I think it's going to be personally. I think it's going to be the best thing Better Man's done in the last five years. Uh, when we talk about best loving and serving God's woman, um, so I'm Baptist, so I love to alliterate everything. Um, so we're gonna the study is going to talk about the five P's. That, that, that a man has to do to, or a man must do to love and protect God's woman, right? So he, he needs to partner well with his wife. And we're going to talk about what that looks like. He needs to provide for his wife. And that's just not physical provision, but that's spiritual and emotional provision, right? He needs to protect his wife. And listen, man, I used to think, I used to think protecting my wife simply meant that if someone broke into my home, like I would stand between them and my wife, but I've come to realize that the, the man capable of coming into my home and assaulting my wife every day is me. And like, I do that through my anger and my indifference. I do that through my sin. I do that through, um, complaining. Right. So, so when I talk about, um, I think, I think, Week three, which is how to protect your woman, it's going to be it's going to be phenomenal because it's really protecting her from you, the sin inside you that you have to kill. Week four, we're going to talk about pointing her to Christ. So week one is partnering with her. Week two is providing with her. Week three is protecting her. Week four is pointing her to Christ. 
And then week five is my favorite. We're going to talk about as a man, how you practice hope and healing. Like you're an agent of the great physician and your wife should be able to come to you for physical and mental and spiritual hope and healing and what that looks like as a man. So yeah, I can't wait. The study comes out in June. It's going to be a video series along with a workbook. And Dan, as you alluded to earlier, it is still free, bro. Um, <laughs> because of the generosity of people, we still, we, we give this away and people ask me all the time, well, what's the catch? Like, where's the bait and switch? You know, are you going to hit me up for money later? Or do I have to buy a licensing fee or something of that nature? Right, wrong, or indifferent, bro, we give it away. There is no bait and switch. There is no hidden fees. Like you literally create a leader login and then you have access to all the content at your leisure. Mm, that is so awesome. And I love that you used the way that you phrased it. You know, a man invades the house. Well, the man often then invades the house we need to protect is is us. That's right. Is us. That's right. Our, our wives can look at us and think, uh-oh, uh-oh, is the house clean enough? Is this, is this, what's he going to criticize and everything? Where the first word, partner, partner wouldn't jump down somebody else's case and get all over them and be super That's critical. Right. A partner would say, you know, how can we make this better? you know, and, and dream with the person and work towards something as opposed to working against somebody or, or taking somebody out at the knees, as we talked about earlier. Mm, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and, and, and that's probably, um, that's probably the most theological session, uh, section we do when we talk about partnering, uh, with her and what that looks like. So we, in the study, we talk about that when you partner with God's with God's woman, uh, the partnership um, has three faces. Um, it has it has kind of three distinct distinct looks, right? So you're her companion, you're her complement, and not not C O M P L I, but C O M P L E. So you're her companion, you're her complement, and then you're her co heir. Um, I remind men all the time. You know, before she was your wife, she's God's daughter. And that's huge, man. Like, that's huge. Um, we like to tie that in with the parable of the talents. Tim Dunn out of Kansas City, out of Graceway, Kansas City, taught me this. And, you know, when you think about the parable of the talents, you think about, man, God's given me these resources. God's given me this job. God's given me these gifts. And I've got to steward that well, right? Very rarely do you think of your marriage in context of the talents, like God gave you his daughter and it's not enough for you to return his daughter and say, well, at least I didn't break her. Right? No, like God's expecting you to give his daughter back to him and you've made her better. You've made her a better mom and a better wife and a better follower of Jesus, right? Don't be, don't be like the wicked servant who buries the talent in the ground. And then when Jesus shows up, he unburies it and gives it to Jesus and says, well, you're a hard man, so I didn't want to lose your money. And Jesus said, well, you could have put it in the bank and at least got interest. You know, give it to me, you wicked, you wicked servant. He calls him, you wicked, unfaithful servant. <laughs> yes. So, so like that's, that's real. So, so God's given you this, this wife, you know, and whether that's, whether that's a three talent wife or a five talent wife or an eight talent wife, whatever that is, the expectation is when you turn her back over to God, 
If she was three talents, you've made her six talents. If she's five talents, you've made her 10 talents. Like, like you've invested in her and she's grown as a mother. She's grown as a wife. She's grown as a member of the kingdom. Don't, don't give your wife back to God and say, well, at least I didn't break her. And I think that's where most men are today. You know, we're just trying not to blow it up. We're just trying not to destroy it. We're just trying not to harder. Again, man, how pathetic is that? No, man, we've, we've been given this great treasure. We're going to steward it. We're going to invest in it. Man, we're going to polish it and shine it up. And we're going to give it back to God and say, look, look what I did with the woman you gave me, right? I was faithful and I was resourceful and I loved her. I tried to love her, God, just like you would love her. And now I'm turning her back over to you. If we can do that, he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. And that's, man, that's what this study is about. And I, and I really hope it blesses men. I love applying that parable to our marriage. Mm. So in the morning, I, one of my prayers is, you know, I, all kinds of different things, but one of, one of them is just a simple question. How can I life, love my wife well today? Yeah. And then that, what you just shared, changes it a little bit. Like, how do I double? That's it, man. And, and, and again, it's not me that makes the double, but I, I got to play my part. I got to play my part. So what, whether it's from your own personal life or just uh, something you can share, I, like that challenges me a little bit to think that way and apply that parable to my marriage. And I'm yeah, sure some right. other guys just heard it and went, huh, interest, like keep, keep on that if you could. Yeah. So, so like, I'll give you a personal context for me. Okay. Dan, I am a, I am a trained theologian. Okay. Like I'm a, I'm considered a, a scholar, like, um, like in Puritan, Puritan theology and, 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 and things of that nature. Right. I'm a, I'm a Bible scholar. Bro, like if that's not bleeding over into my wife, as a trained theologian, if somehow I'm not helping my wife become stronger theologically, then what am I doing? Right. Right. Like, like, like the Lord's gifted me. Like that's all of God, man. I'm a, I'm a redneck from backwoods, Kentucky. <laughs> right. But, but for some odd reason, the Lord's given me a mind and an ability to take complex theological subjects and like, and like make them super practical. Okay. So, so if I'm like traveling around the world, helping men do that, but like my wife's not growing theologically at home, my children aren't growing theologically at home. Well, then I've taken that talent and I've buried it. I've buried it. So also I'm self-employed. Like I'm a private contractor that runs a men's organization. I have more freedom and flexibility than the average man. Mm-hmm. I just do. You know, I can work from home. I can work from a coffee shop. I have an office in Dallas, right? I have freedom and flexibility. If I'm not leveraging that freedom and flexibility to get to know my wife more, to get to know my wife better, right? Then, then, then what am I doing? I'll never forget. Um, eight years ago, I got, I got offered this position at a Christian college prep school. Okay. And it, <laughs> 
And it was a great, it was a great opportunity because my children were going to get to go to school there. And because, because it was an executive type position, my children were going to get to go for free. Okay. And I remember telling my wife, you know, when we were, when we were discussing about the move and would it be good for my career and all that jazz, I remember me telling her, one of the things I'm excited most about is my kids going to this school where I lead and I get to see them and spend more time with them. Okay. So I take the job. I get three years into the job and I haven't ate lunch with my kids one time. Mm, mm. I hadn't ate lunch with my kids one time. I'd become so busy with the job so busy with the career, so busy with whatever else I was doing. I have the freedom and flexibility to eat lunch with my kids every day if I want. And, I, and, and, and after three years, I hadn't ate lunch with them one time. <laughs> I remember going home and telling my wife, man, I'm a loser. Like, like I completely missed this. Mm. Like one of, my, one of my reasons for coming here was this. Yeah. And here I am three years into it. So, so I just, the next day, man, I'm sitting in the cafeteria with my daughter eating terrible pizza and loving every minute of it. <laughs> right. And it's that, it's that type of self-awareness. It's that type of self-honesty where, where we just got to come to man. And, and, um, but that's what I mean by, you know, and, and, and I get it. Maybe you're listening to this and, and you don't have the freedom of that type of job or, or, or you don't have X, Y, and Z. I'm not, you have something like you're a man and God has given you gifts and he's given you talents and he's given you bandwidth and certain things, identify those things. And if those things are not dripping down into your marriage, if those things are not dripping down into your family, then you're going to have to stand before God one day. And God's going to say, God's going to say, Dan, I made you a phenomenal carpenter. And your son doesn't even know how to swing a hammer. Like, like, why couldn't you pass that gift on? Why couldn't you spend a little time with your son and teach him how to swing a hammer? Well, God, I was too busy building all these great things. Well, well, great, Dan, but, but I needed you to be building that young man. Right? So, so like, like it's just doing an inventory of what has God given me? And how am I going to use those things to make my marriage and my family better so that when I get before God and God says, Chris, I gave you four talents. How many do you have for me? I can say, well, look, God, I have, I have eight, like I have eight. And he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Nice. Nice. All right. So guys, we're about ready to wrap this one up, but, uh, what Chris was talking about, leaning into your wife, learning your wife, understanding your wife, putting some priority around your wife. My daughter, a couple nights ago, says, Mom, you don't understand. It's well, I think you understand, but anyway, it's God first, dad second, and then us kids after that. And I was like, How cool to hear a 10 year old making for sure that her parents understood the 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 program. And I forgot what it was that we were talking about. Well, we were we were kind of on a faith-based topic, and she just wanted to put that out there and in understanding our wives and, and in our kids, we've got to put them in the priority. My daughter didn't mention my work, she didn't mention my friends, she didn't mention my fitness routine, she didn't mention any of that stuff. And like 
grooming her to be a great wife someday. Mm. Like she already has this understanding and she's got the courage to make for sure that there's clarity on what's important. And if we ourselves don't have that clarity, how can we expect our families to also get it? And Chris talked about it. And this is exactly what happened in my house was, Hey honey, I need to talk to you about something. I've been messing up. Mm. And this is the, this is, my intention going forward and, and I apologize and you know, that type thing. So if you're in doubt is why to employ some of these things, you'll have a better life here on earth and you'll get to go to heaven. Come home. And you'll get to go to heaven. So it's like a double blessing. It'll be a double blessing. There'll be people that attack you. There'll be people that persecute you. It's not going to be perfect. But it sure is better. Chris was talking about the scorecard. It, I call it the scoreboard. It's nice to know at the end of the day who wins. Come on. So no matter what life's struggles are, no matter what we got to persevere, go through, and everything else, the bumps are a little bit smaller or a whole lot smaller when you know at the end of the day what's going to happen. Yeah. Wow. So good, man. That's it. And that's, man, and that's what this community is about. Right. So that's what just meeting you, Dan, here's the reality. Whether, whether you're three steps ahead of me in some areas, or I'm one step ahead of you in some areas, or Kent is 10 steps ahead of us in some areas, (laughs) right? The, the whole purpose is, is man, you know, I'm going to learn from you because my hope is to stumble a little less than you did. Mm-hmm. Right. And I I want men to watch me. And, and as Paul said, you know, imitate me as I imitate Christ, not because I'm perfect, but because if I can help you stumble just a little less than I did, man, we've done something. And this is this, this is something I've realized. Right. Like like if you want to become something, you got to surround yourself with men who are that. Um. So so when I wanted to become more theologically astute. I surrounded myself with men who were infinitely more theological than I was. And then what's crazy is after six months, a year, three years of hanging out with them, bro, I became theologically astute. It's the same thing in the gym, right? If I want to get my bench press up, I want to hang out with two like human gorillas, bro, that can bench press (laughs) a Buick, right? Because, Because hanging out with them, after six months, after a year, guess what? I'm going to be able to bench press a Buick. And it's the same thing in this dad game. It's the same thing in this husband game, man. Find guys that you know who are who are doing it right or at least trying to do it right. And after hanging out with them for six months, a year, two years, man, you become like them. And 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 what our moms told us years ago, right? Show me your friends. I'll show you your future. Like, that's true. That's a... That's oh a, my gosh! That, that's so true. And 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 the theological circles we call that a pericope. We 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 call that a little nugget of truth, man. And and that's about as theological as it gets, bro. So I'm glad you brought up the community thing. I think the objection from guys that we have could be, well, I don't have any friends. I don't have any guys. Where would I find this? You know, and and why would they hmm. allow me in? Why would they allow me to be sticky? Why would they? answer my call. That'd never answer my call. All this stuff that we say, what would you say to that, that man? Yeah. One, I would say first, make yourself sticky. So 
So become the friend that you want, right? Be the guy that's, that's checking up on other guys, that's sending a text and saying, hey, I'm praying for you or how are you doing, right? Um, be the guy that's always looking out for someone else's best interest, right? It's not about you. It's about them. Um, one of the things I love about my pastor is my pastor, when you're with my pastor, you always feel like the most important person in the room. Um, and honestly, Dan, um, I, just to give you a shout out, dude, like, like when I was with dinner with you, the first time I met you, like, I really believe you had that spirit, man. Like I felt like I was super important. Like you made me feel special, man, just being with you. And, um, man, I want to thank you for that. Like it was, it was really, really good, but but, but like, like be that guy. So, so first thing I would tell you is, is be the friend that like, like that you want. And then secondly, this idea that the community is not out there. That's just nonsense, man. Community is everywhere. It's everywhere. You know, the same guy that says, man, I don't have community is the same guy that's in a, in a, in a football you know, what, what, what's that? What, yeah. What's fantasy that? football deal. Yeah. yeah. In a football fantasy football league with 15 other guys, like, like no community is everywhere. Right. So, so obviously you would want it at your church. There are, there are men at your church right now that so in, in psychological circles, they call it the innocent bystander effect. Okay. So someone's broke down on the side of the road. The first car passes and doesn't stop because they think the car behind them is going to stop. And then that car thinks the car behind them is going to stop. And then six hours later, a hundred thousand cars, nobody stops. Well, men are the same way. So, well, nobody really wants to hang out with me. Well, the guy behind you is thinking the same thing. And the guy behind you is thinking the same thing. And the guy behind him is thinking the same thing. What you need to do is just find a couple of cats in your church and say, hey, man, you want to come over next Friday and watch the game? Or, hey, man, do you want to go Saturday and, and play around the golf? Or, hey, man, do you want to come? I just downloaded this free study called Better Man. Let's do it together. <laughs> right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, like, just be the guy that takes initiative. And I promise you, not only will you find guys like you and around you that want to be with you, even more so, there are younger men in your life right now, either younger men in your church, younger men in your office, younger men at your golf club, wherever that are absolutely dying for someone to invest in them. And they're too afraid to ask. So you take the initiative, man, you go to that young guy at the club or that young guy at the church or that young guy in the office and say, man, has anybody, has anybody ever walked us alongside of you? Nine out of 10 times, they're going to say no. And if you say, would you like someone to? Nine out of 10 times, they're going to say, yes, be that guy. Yes, yes, 100%. So I love that you added the element besides your church. You can just hit up your buddies 100%. and do better man with them. Yeah, country club, poker night. Yeah, and yeah. The, so Dan, this is going to sound terrible again. I'm not, I'm not critical of the church, but, but I, I half joke and say, if you got a good idea and you want it to die, just give it to the church. They'll kill it. Right. Right. Like, like if we want a movement, a movement of God always starts in the church, but it always transcends the church and it gets into the business. It gets into the market. It gets onto college campuses. Like it gets 
it gets gritty in society. So, so better man started with the church and better man will always be in the church. But if better man is ever to become a movement, it has to transcend the church and get into the marketplace, get into college campuses, get into country clubs. The, the Little Rock, Arkansas Country Club has 80 men going through better man right now. No way. Right now, the Louisiana Lafayette, shout out to my raging Cajuns. Their men's golf team just finished better man. The Houston Renegades XFL team right now is on week five of better man. <laughs> it's awesome. It's phenomenal, right? And it's and we're starting to see that trans transcending the church and getting out into the marketplace. Kinley Construction, they're an oil and gas construction company. They've got four or 500 employees across, across the country, right? And most of these guys are, I mean, they're roughnecks, right? They're like yeah, my dad. Yeah, they're roughnecks. Yeah. I mean, these are rough dudes, right? Um, the owner, Mr. Kenley, came to me not too long ago, and he said, man, I want to take my employees through better men. Like, I want to make them better men, right? Mm. The, most of these guys aren't even believers. But if we, ba- if we make better men, the world becomes a better place. Everyone mm-hmm. believes that. Yes, yes, absolutely. So there you go. If you're looking for it, start talking to people. Start talking to people. Like it doesn't have to be the most complex thing in the world. A popular topic out there these days is how well Jesus Revolution is doing at the box office. That's right. Simple conversation starter. Like these things are out there all the time. Men want community. So just be that guy. Show up. That's be it. sticky. That's right. Find out how you can help. Find out what's important to somebody else. And, you know, when you're on the sideline with somebody, you're at the sports game, like talk to them, you know, actually right. talk to them, get, get beyond the uh, superficial stuff and look for a way to, to have a deeper conversation. So, come on. oh my goodness. So guys, I already told you it's free. Better man up on the top right hand side, click the button. <laughs> come on. <laughs> do a little bit of typing, do a little bit of typing. I encourage you to engage. And find a few other guys, whether they're your guys or, you know, hit up the local church and ask them to help you to find some guys. They'll talk about it. They'll talk about it. They want some support on the men's group side of things because the pastor can't run the men's group. Come on. That's right. He doesn't have enough time, doesn't have enough people. So he needs, he needs you to step up. He needs you to be a leader. Let's go. It's a good word, Dan. All right. Any, any parting shots, anything you want to throw out there? And then I always ask for guys to throw a challenge out to the listeners before we end the podcast. Man, that's, uh, that's, I, that's what I love about you, dude. You're always, you're, you're forward thinking. I love that. No, um, no parting words of wisdom other than we don't, we don't have to redefine what it means to be a man. God has already given us a timeless definition and even more than a timeless definition. He gave us the picture of a perfect man in King Jesus. And we just got to be more like him. That's what it means to be a real man. So I would throw that out there. And then the challenge, you know, selfishly ministerially, man, my challenge would be to, as you said, click the link and launch a better man group. Grab seven, eight, nine, ten of your buddies. Take it to your church. Take it to your pastor and say, hey, let's do this churchwide. Um, selfishly, I would say, go launch a better man group. Your life and the life of those around you will be better for it. But 
but unselfishly, man, I would just tell you, men, if, if you have never heard this, let me be the first person to tell you that the world needs you. Your wife needs you. Your children need you. Your church needs you. And not in a superficial way, but in a real deep, meaningful way. They need you to lead them well. They need you to love them well. They need you to serve them well. And they need you to look. You're going to be the best picture of Jesus they've ever seen. So let me challenge you, man, to look like him. Try and look like him every single day. What might a question be to ask every morning to help guide guys that direction? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to give you two things. I'm going to give you a prayer that I pray. Okay. There we go. And then a, and then a question. So, and I got this from Bono, the lead singer. Of nice. YouTube. Okay. So, and, and he said he prayed this before every concert, before he went out on stage of every concert, his prayer was simply this Lord make me useful. And so I just started praying that as a husband, as a follower, as a ministry leader, I just started praying every day, God, make me useful today. Make me useful for your kingdom today. Um, so that's something I pray. And then, and then the question I would ask myself is, um, you know, I would ask myself, what, what promises are in God's word that I can be believing today? That I could be claiming as a son of God and be believing today. The, the, the Puritans believed that the greatest statement ever made and the greatest line you'll ever hear is that you and I are sons of God. It's the greatest truth ever said. It's the most inspirational. It's the most beneficial. It's the most provisional. You and I are sons of God. So, so I would just ask, man. What, what truth from God's word, what promise from God's word can I claim as mine today and live out in that? Mm, 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 mm. That is awesome. I love that. There's a simple thing, guys. Lord, make me useful today. Come on. That's a great one. And then what promises are in God's word that I can believe in today, that I can bring into my life today? Uh, a clue to that answer is open the book. Come on. You got to know it. You got to get in it. <laughs> Open the book. And if you don't know where to start, man, check out Proverbs. Proverbs is awesome. Come on. Proverbs is awesome. That, that gets you, gets you motivated for the day and gets you feeling good. So, That's right. oh man, Chris, thank you so much for coming on. Once again, I had a blast with you. I always have a blast with you. Like it's, it's awesome. And, uh, I love your vulnerability and a question I did want to ask you while, and you already answered it was about the humility. So you're dynamic, charismatic. Um, people are always telling you what a great job you do and that type thing. And where guys can get caught up is we can get caught up in the praise and needing recognition and you yeah. know, that type thing. And then you addressed it. You said, you know, in the morning you check your humility and know that God's there with the growth. Yeah. We're just we're just doing the work and we're uh, just we're just instruments and and there's something I tell myself every day. Um and this has helped me for years. And it's, I don't let the hype go to my head and I don't let the hate go to my heart. So when somebody says something good about me, I don't let it go to my head. And then when someone is super critical of me or my ministry, I don't take it to heart. 
Mm. And though, and those two things, man, keep me even killed. They allow me to stay humble. Um, I become, and again, this is a whole nother show, so I won't get into it too much, <laughs> but, but the, um, you know, Philippians two, Christ being the very nature of God did not consider equality with God as something to be grasped, but he humbled himself. The, the actual Greek there says he became a man of no reputation. And, and, and what that means is when they wanted to make Jesus king, man, he basically said, you need to take that up with God. And then when they wanted to kill him, he basically said, you need to take that up with God. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so the hype doesn't go to your head and the hate, the criticism doesn't go to your heart. Ah, oh, man, I'm you, glad we got that in. And if you can hold on to that, man, you can stay humble. You can stay even kill. You can stay marching on towards the prize. That is great. Hate doesn't go to the heart. We get attacked and criticized and people say stuff or we That's imagine right. stuff. And I think that helps with take captive the thought and transform it. So it, often that negativity gets in. So don't let that sink into your heart and become part of who you are. Transform it, transform yeah. it, reject yeah. it, you know, fight yeah. it. That's it, man. I live. So, so I serve, I'm the, I'm the forward face of one of the largest men's organizations in the West today. And we are target number one, bro. I hear crazy stuff from, from feminists and, you know, um, super, super left movements. And, and, uh, at, at, at the end of the day, like if I let that go to my heart, every time somebody told me, Somebody called me a benevolent dictator one time and I just start <laughs> and I just I, I I started laughing and I said, actually, I'm not that benevolent. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, so, so like, like I hear it. And, and if I was to let that go to my heart, bro, I would give up. I would give up. But, but, but here's the deal. I, I, I don't, man. Um, you know, I'm standing on the truth of God's word. I'm, I'm trying to be the man Jesus called me to be. So when the hate comes, man, I give it over to him. And then the, the opposite, man, when I come off a stage speaking at a big conference and everybody tells me how wonderful I am, man, that's great. Thanks for saying that. But praise be to God, man. I just, I just deflect that up to him, man. And I go on about my business. Yeah, I love that. I mentioned it before, but the uh, Patrick Mahomes, Kansas City quarterback wins the Super Bowl and the reporter's trying to ask him questions and praise be to God, praise be to God. Like this is yeah. greatest, praise be to God. He gets interrupted by one of his own teammates. And then the reporter comes back and he's like, Hey, again, I, I, earlier I was talking about <laughs> praise be to God. And I'm like, dude, this is the greatest thing ever seeing a guy yeah. just testify and give witness and not get sidetracked when, when distractions come. So anyway, God bless you guys. Thank you for listening. And I encourage you guys to, to build community. It could be something as simple as asking about Jesus revolution. It could be inviting somebody to listen to this podcast. It could be inviting somebody into the better man community, but yeah. as we make these uh, offers uh, and we invite people into our lives and invite deeper conversations, what you'll find is that you'll have better, closer, deeper male relationships. And you'll also find that most guys don't even have one of those relationships. Yeah. So yeah. a rich man is one that has multiple deep relationships and you can be a rich man. So anybody can be a rich man. Amen, brother. Amen. And I, I I'd be amiss if I didn't say, you know, I'm standing on the shoulders of a giant. I'm here because of Robert Lewis. 
and the legacy that he laid. And Better Man is what it is today. Chris Harper is who he is today because of David and Delario and Carson and Emma and Emily and these phenomenal mm-hmm. people we have in the Better Man community. So um, absolutely, Dan, you and I are standing on the shoulders of giants, bro. We're in there. Awesome. Awesome. Well, guys, thanks for listening to the show. Come back again next week. Invite your buddies, throw some five-star reviews and and write us up on Apple or Amazon or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks, guys. See you, brother. Thanks, man. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Journey of a Christian Dad podcast. Thank you guys for being a light. Shine that light out and let others see it. With you guys, part of this community, it helps me be accountable to you guys. It helps me be accountable to myself, be accountable to God and Jesus. I hope you appreciated this episode and picked up some great things. hope you like the challenge and hope you can execute on that challenge this week. I ask of you, please subscribe, share the show with others. Join us inside of the Journey of a Christian Dad on Facebook, inside our private community. Share that community with others. Have your buddies join. Have other dads that are looking to grow in their faith, grow as spiritual leaders of their family. As we engage in our journey and be intentional with it, we can help others grow theirs as well. We thank you again for listening. We thank you for all your reviews. Look forward to reading a review of yours on a future show. So, dear God, Thanks for blessing all of us, and thanks for drawing us closer to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Have fun, guys.